this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. We're so glad you've taken the opportunity to avail yourselves of our audio sermons. If they are encouraging to you, or if you just want to make a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and leave us a comment. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Greetings. We certainly live in a world filled with distractions, do we not? Some we employ to help us with the stress that we've created for ourselves. Others uh, are created by those that want to sell us something or want us to do something. They're always looking to distract us and to get our minds on this and our minds on that. We're also very busy. Packed schedules, date books, calendars. We're busy writing in the time so we don't miss anything, right? That's kind of like, if you like the Robinettes, we're busy like that. But you know, we can take a break from that today. Can we, you guys, would you like to take a break from all that today? God has invited us today to enter into what? His Sabbath rest, amen? A day free from having to think about what we normally think about what we're thinking about all the time the things that keep our wheels spinning it's time to stop spinning it's time to stop worrying about what we normally worry about god invites us to bathe in his goodness in his mercy in his vastness and so can everyone just kind of sigh just with me just kind of like (sighs) i know it's hard it's like decompressing like you know, we're running and running and running and now we're not. But that's really what God has called us to do. Kind of like a whole day where we just go, we just cast it off. He invites us to leave behind all that weighs on us and to take up His yoke of rest today. We've made serving God more complicating than it need be. There is a simple life. Uh, a life uncluttered. A free life awaiting those who can focus on the basics. David knew this, and we hear the words in the very, very first psalm as David paints a clear yet very singular path. I mean, when you read it, it's, it sounds almost like the instructions to the little school kids. But the Bible says, unless we become as little children, right? Then, then really, then we don't understand. We can't enter into the kingdom of God. So may we walk as God calls us to worship Him today. May we walk the way that David talks about in Psalm 1. You might even want to say it with me, or you can just rest and you can listen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Wouldn't that be something else? If that's all that we did, is meditate on God's goodness and His law day and night. This man, David said, shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. 
Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let us rest today in God's goodness and in the singular purpose of serving Him and His kingdom that He has called us to. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we hear Your call to enter into rest, to enter into the simpleness of serving You instead of the complicated uh, designs that we have crafted that we think are so vital. Lord, may we take a breath of relief and lay aside sin, lay aside the weights of life and enter into that rest today. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that You would speak to us from Your Word, that You would cleanse us from our sins, that You would feed us from above, and that You would prepare us as new vessels to go out and do the work that You are calling us to do. In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise God from as I read to you my text today. My sermon today is called Keeping Kingdom Eyes. Everybody say that with me. Keeping Kingdom Eyes. My text is um, from Matthew chapter 6 as we are in week 38 of the life of Christ as found in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 9. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither... Will your Father forgive your trespasses? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust have corrupt, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust have corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us and for giving us your word, for speaking to us, for refusing to leave us the way that we were and are and making us into your image. We pray that as we hear your word, that it would be like a light and like a mirror, that it would illuminate and we would be able to see who we are and what we are and that you would make us into your image. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. 
You may be seated. When I was a boy, I remember my very first baseball coach. Everybody remember your first baseball coach? Anybody have a coach? Anybody ever play baseball? I remember the very first day uh, of it. I was really little, and I played on this team that met down at the field, and and we were uh, the way that you got picked is they had all these people, and uh, they would pick people to be on these teams. There were there were hundreds of kids, and uh, all the kids that didn't get picked got left over, and they formed the team. That was the team I was on. And uh, I was probably the worst baseball player ever, ever. But but I remember learning the fundamentals of baseball. And if you remember the very fundamental, first thing you need to know, lesson one, the foundation of all baseball. Does anybody know it? It's almost like a scripture. Anybody know it? It starts off with keep. Keep your eye on the ball. All right? And uh, I wasn't very good at that. And so they put me in right field. And uh, that was the position I played, and never did anybody ever hit it to me except one time. And I, I could tell you the story, but I won't. It's too long of a story, and it's very self-aggrandizing, uh, because the only ball that ever got hit to me, I caught it, but I didn't even know it. Uh, and it's a whole long story. But keep your eye on the ball. I just kind of held up my hand. I was afraid it was going to hit me, you know. And, and it hitting that part of the glove, Bill, that you don't feel, you know, that like, and it's like, and the whole team jumped on me, and I thought they were killing me because I dropped the ball or whatever. Anyway, so keep your eye on the ball. And, and so when I played football, it was the same thing. Uh, uh, I remember there's all this stuff going on, and there's plays, and there's people, and they're all lined up. And, 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 and it was like, man, this is a lot to know. you got, you know, halfbacks and quarterbacks and centers and linebackers and, and receivers. And, and, like, it was a lot to know as a kid. And so I was, like, trying to understand it all, you know. And they're like, hey, here's what you do. You just keep your eye on the ball. Wherever that ball is, son, you are either to get in front of it if you're on offense and make sure no one gets it, or you are to, when you're on defense, keep your eye on it. If you look at the runner, he'll run and he'll go like this. You know, and you'll think he's going to go. Don't look at him. Look at that ball. He said, wherever the ball goes, he's going to go. It doesn't matter where his eyes go or what he does. You know, you just don't take your eye off the ball. And you know what? That's the best advice I was ever given in any sport. Keep your eye on the ball. Later on, we got a ping pong table in our basement. This is back when people had basements like, you know, that are concrete floors and metal poles. You know, now everyone has to have a finished basement, right? But back then, they knew this was a good thing for kids. You know, you can't hurt anything. Concrete, you know, bam, you know, hit, hit the, you know, whatever, and you're all right. But we had this ping pong table down there in the basement, and uh, we we learned to play ping pong. And, and anybody play ping pong pretty good, you know, you're, you know, like they do, like those Chinese guys do at the Olympics, right? But bam, bam, bam. And we learned to play. And the first thing the guy told me was what? Everybody say it with me. Keep your eye on the ball. And it would be like, first it was like you couldn't hardly hit it, but then it was like, and we played that, Josh, we played like crazy people. You guys had a ping pong table in your house, right? And uh, when there was nobody to play, we would turn the thing up, and then we would play against yourself. You know, and, you know, you can't really beat yourself when when you're playing ping pong. Anyway, but... It was all about Olympiads, uh, and of course, that's what's going on right now down in Brazil. They know, if you want to ask them, how did you become an Olympic, whatever it was? How did you become an Olympic anything? They said, well, what I did is I just thought about it night and day and worked on it night and day for like four, five, six years, and I did nothing, and I had no other friends, and I worked on it, and I worked on it, and I worked on it, and I worked on it. That's all I did. 
right? I mean, Michael Phelps won all those gold medals just by, you know, he just got in the pool one day. No, he's thought about that. He didn't think about anything else. His whole life was in so much so that after he won all those gold medals, you might not know, he, he, won all, he didn't know what to do with himself. And he just got depressed and uh, started drinking and carrying on and getting DUIs and his life was a mess and he thought he was going to kill himself. And then, guess what? Someone says, you know what you should do? You should swim some more. So then he, he started swimming again and now he's won all these gold medals. He's like, my life's so happy. Well, his life's happy. You know, he's being awarded in his law. But why? Because he's... he's He's not distracted by what? By all the things that you can be distracted by. He was focused in and he was, he was honed in on one thing. Now, I'm not recommending that you hone your life in on being a gymnastic star or volleyball star or a ping pong champion. But if you want to be one, you have got to keep your focus on that one thing. Amen? It's the way it is, if you don't know. I know a little bit about it. I was uh, in wrestling. And, and we had three-hour practices, and we did 200 push-ups a day, and we sweated. And, 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 and maybe you don't know this about wrestling, but you have to, like, make weight. And so if you don't weigh an exact way, you don't wrestle. So we would spit and throw up, and we would wear uh, plastic clothes, and we'd run until we sweated, and we got to... It was all about wrestling. What about anything else? And then I was in Bible quizzing, which was a lot more noble thing, right? You know? And they're like, man, you just memorized so easy. Oh, it was so easy. I would get up in the morning and for like five hours or six hours or eight hours a day, I would write the scriptures over and quote them over. It was simple. And then after dinner for like three or four more hours or five hours or late into the midnight, I would do it again. And I became the best that there was in my little thing in the world that I did. How did you do it? I just didn't do anything else. I didn't have any friends. I didn't hang out with anybody. I just, for like two years of my life, all I did was night and day memorize scripture and it paid off. And I know a lot of Bible and, you know, comes in handy, but I have learned that you got to focus in. And what our text is saying here is that this very simple thing, we can make things too complicating. We can focus on a million things, or we can understand what our focus is supposed to be. Our focus uh, can only really be one thing. The part of our text that seems to make the least sense, or at least it did to me, the first time I read our text, uh, I, I'm reading it and I'm like, I need to skip this part because I have no idea what it means just on my first read, okay? Benita, when I read this, it's, it may to you sound like a Chinese proverb. It may sound to you like if I asked you what it meant, you'd go, I, I don't know, or maybe you'll understand it. Maybe after what I just said, maybe it'll come to light. But it says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Okay? And then he talks about, if the light in us is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, that's right in the middle of a whole lot of conversation about a whole lot of different things. But what Jesus is teaching here is something that is, we are admonished to throughout Scripture. Paul uh, admonished the Ephesians to do what? Everybody say, set your affections on things above. Say it with me. Set your affections on things above. Paul knew that what we thought about and what we planned for and that we hoped for and what we kept our eye on would be the thing that, uh, that, that, that we would achieve. If you set your eye, if you're thinking about heaven in every area of your life, if, if, you know, Derek, when you're facing these things at work, if, if instead of looking at them, you look at heaven, 
your focus and how you deal with that's going to be different. If you're thinking, if you're focusing on the kingdom of Derek, okay, then you're going to have one way of looking at it. But if you're sitting and say, okay, in light of heaven, what am I doing here? And we go, oh, well, that's a little bit different. I mean, I know how to deal with me and I know how to take care of me and I know how to make my plan, but now I got to put my plan, whatever that might be, where you live, where you work. Uh, the house you live in, whatever. If you do these things in light of the one thing that we should be singular about, then we go, okay, you know what? This isn't really that important. Or, you know what? I don't really have to have that. Or, hey, I really need that. I remember when we were trying to figure out where to live and we said, you know what we'll do? You know, God can provide anything. He can, he can provide. God's not poor, Right? It's not like God couldn't. So we said, in light of the kingdom, we want a place that we can have people over, that we could maybe have people live with us, that, that we could have the young people at our house, and we could, it would be set up for fellowship. And we went through this whole thing. Our, what we were thinking about was, how can we have a house to do the things of God? And that was our filter, okay? Uh, he told the Philippians this in chapter 3 of Philippians, which uh, <clears throat> Elder Cusel read for us. That we are to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He talked about all the things he could focus on. The fact that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a tribe of Benjamin as touching the law. He was blameless. and he could, All these things he could focus on. He could focus on himself, right? But God hasn't called us to do that. In the prayer of the Lord, the very first thing is what? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus in prayer, as we come to God, you know, when you're asking for something from God, we should be asking in light of the kingdom. Do you remember when uh, the the woman in the New Testament, uh, Lydia, uh, and maybe I'm... Sometimes I get things in my head wrong. What, what, is it Phoebe or Lydia that made things and it was not Lydia. It was Phoebe. It was Dorcas, right? And she died, right? And when she died, the church was like, man, she does so much good in the kingdom of God. We want her to, we want her to live to do more. And so they prayed that the Lord would bring her back to life, not just because they missed her, not because they, you know, they would be sad, but because there's just so much she can do in the kingdom of God. If I die, would you guys pray that way? You know, Pastor Mark does a lot of good in the kingdom of God. We really need him to live. And then, Benita, I'll, I'll probably raise from the dead. It'll be fantastic. Okay, but you've got to have your focus. Right. Speaking to the Corinthians in his first epistle, Paul tells them in chapter 9, he says, Know ye not that all they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run, okay? So Paul tells us that the Christian life should be kind of like these races, these, you know, the, 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 the Olympiads, the, the achiever. You know, we should be running what? To win. We should be focused to win. I mean, if you, if these people that win, they don't fool around. They're, they're running to win. And you might go, well, you know, we're Calvinists and we know God's going to win. And so it really doesn't matter, you know. You haven't understood the scriptures. Yes, we're Calvinists and yes, we believe in God. But I'm telling you, those that, those that train the hardest and run the hardest are going to win their race. Those that go, well, we're Calvinists, you know. If it's God's will that I'm in first place or not, it doesn't really matter. You know, and, and, and it'll just be okay. It's not going to happen. Even with predestination, 
the people who are the fastest and who try the hardest and who work the most are going to win. You understand that? Michael Phelps did not win his gold medal or uh, the Ledecky girl did not win her gold medal because she was believed in, in fate and that whatever God planned would just be. She worked hard. And there's a combination here. Yes, God has predestined that those who work hardest will do the best. Okay? Know you that everyone that runs, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. Every man that striveth for mastery, he's temperate in all things. Now they that do it, do it they do their thing. This guy, he's saying, when people are involved in these athletics, they watch their food, they're exercising, they're focusing, they're doing all of these things. He's saying that in the kingdom of God, we should be running our our, our faith should look like this. We should be think everything in our life should be focused on one thing. He said they do it for a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Therefore, so run, not with uncertainty. So fight I, not as one that beats the air. He's saying I'm not just running anywhere. I'm not just you know I'm not just shadow boxing. I mean, when when a fighter wants to beat another fighter, Tim, you know what he does? He studies the film. He watches just the guy at Southpaw, you know, is he, is he, you know, taking him out and he's watching those tapes. People that are good in football, what do they do? They watch the tapes over and over. They're like, they got a weak spot over here and they got this and they got that. And their, their minds are focused on not just how to be their best, but how do I beat that opponent? Okay. And he said, I'm not fighting as a guy beating the air. I'm not running as if I don't know where I'm going. I need to be focused is what Paul is saying here. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So I run, not with uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beats the air. I keep under my body, bringing it to subjection, that by any means, when I have preached to others, I should find myself a castaway. Anybody ever golf? So Bill, you're out there golfing, and if it's a big open field, you may never ever... You may never hit it this way. You're, you're always going to hit it this way. Until you go on the golf course and they put a lake over there. And over here, you never ever hit it here. But now that there's a lake there, you're like, and what do you, what do you, what do, you do? You hit it in the lake. Why? Because you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're worrying about the lake. It, 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 it's crazy. You know, you can hit the ball a hundred times. You can be at that, that place. But, but there are things that distract us and draw us out. And Jesus mentions a whole list of them, and we'll get to them in a second. The eye or the focus of our attention always wanders before we wander. Okay? David looked longingly down on the bathing Bathsheba before he did what he did, should have never done. Israel's king Ahab looked at Naboth's vineyard, and he had to have it so much that he just couldn't eat because he couldn't have it. Right? Only to what? Have his wife have Naboth killed. Uh, we complicate walking with God. We're in a constant state of being distracted, being pulled away from the main thing. Our text is telling it this, telling us this, keep it simple. Keep your eye on the kingdom. And that's why I called it keeping kingdom eyes. We are, it's pretty simple. We are working for his kingdom. Everybody say we're working for his kingdom. I mean, this sounds like elementary and who's our king? Jesus is our king, right? Who's our enemy? The, the, the PCUSA. No, is, are they their enemy? Uh, the Methodists. No, it's not the Methodists. 
the Baptists, the Pentecostals. No, it's the Catholics. They're the enemies. Are they the enemies? What does the Bible say? We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Now, how many people get so distracted by thinking people are our enemies or our saviors, either one? Sometimes we think the only way we're going to end abortion is if somebody does something. If the right person gets in and appoints the right people. If our Supreme Court rules this way. If these things, and we get to thinking. And so then we're over here, and our whole life's about the Supreme Court, or our whole life is about the political process, or our whole life is about whatever. And we get, you know what we get? We get distracted as if that's what our life is about. The Bible says that which is not of faith is sin. And I can tell you right now, uh, when you put your faith in flesh, you will be disappointed. And it's a very distracting thing, especially when you get good people. The better they are, the more tempted you are to say, oh, well, you know, God is moving in this way. Folks, God has moved through the most evil people on earth. When you, when you read uh, the, the minor prophets, there is not minor stuff happening in them. We don't skip over them because there's nothing going on there. They're minor just because they're short. That's all. That's it. But the minor prophets remind us over and over again. I mean, when Habakkuk starts... Habakkuk is like an ode to God talking about how he raised up Israel's enemies in their cradles, that he nursed them, that he put strength in their bodies so that they could raise up one day and smite Israel with destruction because they were wandering from God. God did this, okay? So you could be an Israelite and your whole, oh, we want to win, we want to win. Well, you know, they, so they lose. What happens when they lose? They go, why do we lose? Here they are, they're in the promised land, and they, they win at Jericho, in a walled city you can have a chariot race on top of, and they go uh, to Ai, and they lose against 2,500 guys. What happened? They, they lost focus. They, 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 got, they, they started you know, looting. They started taking things. They, they were like, we need some money, and we need some of this, and we need some of this, and they got their eye, oh, it'll all just go to waste. We got to have it. This will come in handy. I mean, we don't. We got to have. We got farms that we're going to live in, and we're going to need this pitchfork, and and we're going to need this manure fork, and you know, and we're going to need this, you know, this thing for the horses. God said, "Don't touch any of that stuff." Oh, but I've got to have it. Got to have it. We're working for the kingdom. Jesus is our king, and the devil is our enemy. People are not, and God uses people. The devil uses people, but we wrestle not with flesh and blood. We find ourselves distracted in the matters of people when God is saying, you know what, you need to look at the kingdom. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways, I know I used some sports uh, illustrations a moment ago, but I'm, I'm teaching my kids to drive. We got, went from no drivers to three drivers all at once. But something my dad taught me about driving really applies here. It's always like if you're in the curve, you don't look at the curve. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You may not know that you do this, but if you're driving down the road and you come to a curve, you look down the road. You don't look at the curve. If you look at the curve, what are you going to do? You're going to go off the road, you know? But if, but if you're driving down the road and instead of looking at the curve, you look way down the road, you just go around the curve. It's like it's not even there. 
If you're driving down the road, and, and uh, Elizabeth's not here, so I can make fun of her. I drive. I've been driving with Elizabeth lately, and 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 she'll get, and all of a sudden she'll look down at the road because a car's coming. Now she's doing fine. She's going right down the middle of the road. It's all fine. Car's coming. Next thing you know, she's this way. She's this way. And she's oh, oh, and she's starting to hyperventilate. Where's her car? I'm like, it, when the car wasn't coming, you didn't care. When the car was coming, no car's coming. You're just fine. Why? But now she's got the distraction. Now she's looking at the car. And she's not, she's not paying attention to what she should. She should keep her eye on the what? On the, on the road. And so, so the devil is crafty and he likes to cause division. And, and there are plenty of things in our life, you know, that, that are easy to distract us. Let, let me read this again. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. The point of what Jesus is saying here. Is that if you're looking here and you're looking here and you're looking here and you're looking here and you're thinking about all these things and you're not thinking about the kingdom of God, then you're in trouble. So if your eye be single, so Benita, your eye is single, but and the whole rest of you is too, right? But that's not what we're talking about. If your eye is single, that means if you just want something in particular, you know how people are like, you know what? I, I know I've known kids who I want that car. I want that car. I'm gonna work for it, I'm gonna save for it, and I'm gonna have that car. They want and what do they get? They get it. Because they're singular in their efforts, in their personality. This is what I want. But the way that the Jews were, in the time of Christ, if you said I, you were saying a bad thing. Like when we think of I, we just think of I, right? But if you were a Jew at the time of Christ and you said I, they had this thing called the evil eye. Okay? And they would say, beware of the evil eye. Okay? You, you've seen this in, if you saw Fiddler on the Roof, beware of the evil eye, you know, they'll say. Well, I always thought the evil eye was like some, you know, something bad from somewhere else. It's beware of you is what it means. The evil eye. The, the eye uh, looks, the eye lusts, the, lie le- the eye leads us. And if we think about it, our eye really is the direction of our whole body. Think of this. If you close your eyes, now what? Is your whole body in light or in darkness? What's it look like, guys? Are you in light or darkness with your eyes shut? Okay. So, he, so then he goes on to say, if, if your eye is evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. Okay? If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is the darkness? He's explaining how that our enemy or ourself can get us distracted looking at the way of the evil, evil ones. In, in um, the book of Ephesians, the Bible says we are to walk not like the Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind. Having their understanding being darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. Uh, because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. And, and you go, what on earth is that talking about? The, and I've talked about this before. They walk around like blind people, Luke. And we live in the world and we want to, we want to walk around like they do. But we, the difference is between we can see. They can't see. In the world, you know, when blind people walk and they walk around with a seeing eye dog and they walk around with their cane or however they get around, we see them and the whole world's blind and, they, and, and it would be like us being the only ones in the world that could see and them being blind. And so instead of just walking around, Derek, we all, you know, we could see, but we had canes too and be, we wanted to be like them. So we all had to have our cane and we all had to have our seeing eye dog, but we could see. Do you see how foolish that is? So when, so when we get our eyes on these things that their eyes are on, 
This is where we go wrong. He said their eyes should be on the kingdom. He says, give us our daily bread. Everybody say your daily bread. Now, nobody here is probably working for your daily bread. Anybody here close to starving? Nobody is, all right? But if you lived in Myanmar, which we know, there are people literally thinking about, what am I going to eat? Because that's what you got to think about. If you don't think about what you're going to eat, you're going to be in trouble, right? Well, Jesus says, yeah, they do think about what they eat, but that's not what you're to think about. You're not supposed to think about what you eat. He makes this plain, okay? And he talks about forgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiveness next week, okay? He says, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. He mentions forgiveness again. But then in verse 19, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth. Okay? Jesus is mentioning something that distracts us. How many of us have found that money can distract us? Even if it's uh, not enough money or too much money or whatever. Right? Money does. He says this, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust corrupt, but thieves break in and steal. He's explaining to us that the people in the world are thinking about how to eat and what to eat. They're thinking about how to make money. And they're thinking about what to do with the money they make. This is their thought. And it's not that we're not to think of those things, but we're to think of those things in light of what, guys? In light of the one thing we're supposed to think of. What is it? The kingdom. Not heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Or the kingdom of God. The right now. When you're thinking about your job, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, Steve, you should be thinking, okay, in light of the kingdom of God, you know what? I may make less money going into business for myself, but you know what I'll get? I'll get more time to disciple my children. I'll get more freedom to be with them. I'll get this. And you start thinking of it in light of the kingdom because has God called you just to provide money for your family? Or has he called you to provide discipleship and love and direction and for them to you to be with them when they rise up and lie down and walk by the way? And you can't do that if you're gone before they wake up and if you're you know, they're asleep when you get home, right? And so you think of, how can I do what I do? Our goal isn't, uh, we want to homeschool so that our children can be the smartest children, so that they can have the best jobs, so that they can make the most money. This is how who thinks? This is how they think. And they go, well, they need to go to college so they can get a good education, so they can get a good job, so that they can have a nice house, okay? That's how who thinks? Everybody say, that's how they think. See, this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, don't worry about where you're going to live. Don't worry about what clothes you're going to wear. Don't worry about what food you're going to eat. And don't lay up for yourselves. Don't hoard treasures up on this earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. He's telling us that we can get distracted in the things that they live their lives about, but we don't live our lives about that. Now, that doesn't mean we don't eat. That doesn't mean we don't drink. That doesn't mean we don't live somewhere and that we don't wear some clothes. It doesn't mean that we don't earn money and do something with it. But we need to do it all in light of the kingdom. And, the, and we can be easily distracted. For where your treasure is, everybody say where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I mean, uh, where's Paul? Paul is telling people what to do with their treasures. And imagine if the end of his advising them, and and I'm not blasting Paul, maybe he does say this, but I doubt he does. At the end he says, do this with your money, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. You think that's anybody's advice to anybody in the world about what to do with your money? Or do they go, you put the money here because you're going to get more money. 
You're going to put your money here because it's going to be safe. You put your money here because then you're going to be able to have a better place to live or be able to have, right? Nobody at the end of the day says, do this with your money because of something in the kingdom of God. Nobody gives advice like that because, but that's what the people in the world do. We're not the people in the world. So when you tell somebody what to do with their money, okay, and they're a believer, somewhere along the line, or maybe in the very first thing that I ought to come to, is, hey, just so you know, where you put this money is where your heart's going to be. I mean, don't you think that would cause you to have a different investment plan for your life? You work and work and work and work to do this thing, to have this thing for what? For the kingdom or for yourself? I mean, it, you could do it so you could be with your kids more. You could do it so you're not under somebody's thumb. You could be it so you could have more money and all that. But, but for what? For you? If it's not for the kingdom, then you're just like them. Because that's what they do. Okay? Now, the light of the body is the eye, therefore the light be single. The whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness. He's saying, when your eyes on the wrong thing, when you're not thinking of your treasure in light of the kingdom of God, then you're walking around like a blind person. If you're not thinking that your heart's going to be where your treasure is, you're missing it. No man, verse 24, can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, is this saying that you can't have money and be a Christian? It's not saying that. It's saying that the money that you have can either have you or you can have it. You can either be an Ananias and Sapphira and you can give your money so that people uh, will think you're great. That's not for the kingdom of God. Or you can be a Barnabas who gives your money away from the land that you have that could have been your retirement or your investment and you give it away because you know there are poor people who are starving in Jerusalem who need some money. And so you sell the piece of land because you know they need food and you do it for the kingdom of God and you do it for the love of them. You don't do it because you have extra You do it because of the kingdom. And you might go, well, this isn't a wise investment strategy. This is not a way to build the proper kind of portfolio. Do you understand that you're not going to have what you need one day in retirement? These are not the questions that we as Christians should primarily be asking. And Jesus is telling this. I mean, how do you think the people, when the, when the, when the Great Depression and the great stock market, how do you think all those people fared who instead of building the kingdom of God, built were building their own kingdoms and they lost them all. How'd they do? They were jumping out of buildings. Now, when I hear that somebody is jumping out of a building because they found out they lost their retirement, I just go like this. I go, and I may just do it because I'm too poor to have retirement, okay? And I just don't get it. But I would hope that if I found out today that I was a negative million dollars, that I wouldn't be depressed and sad and feeling worthless and the future is just too grim and I can't take it and I just don't want to live anymore. I, want to die. I, hope, I, I hope that's not where I'm at. No man can serve two masters. And you go, well, I'm not really serving a master because I'm planning well for my money. If your plans for your money are not... If you don't take into account, hey, where my treasure is, there my heart will be. If that's not in your money planning, you're not making the wisest plans you can make. 
Verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body, what you shall put on. Is not uh, life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Once again, just as this is hyperbole, okay? Jesus, when he, Jesus said to hate your mom and dad, He wasn't telling you to hate your mom and dad. When He told you not to let your left hand know what your right hand was doing, He was not saying that somehow your left hand was operating independently and, and you're not going to know what's going on. He's speaking in hyperbole here. He's not saying, you know, uh, don't put money in the bank account. You know, just like as you make it, just let it fly away. That's not what Jesus is saying. But what He's saying is, is in comparison to the kingdom of God, And in comparison to the treasure of our hearts, and in comparison to those things, we should take no thought. And then he literally gives examples of those who are not taking any thought. And he tells us that we should understand that God takes care of us. Now, we all believe this, but we don't. Okay? And this is where I believe God is admonishing us today. Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not. Has anybody seen a bird garden? A bird garden. You know, the, 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 the Blue Jays got together and they plowed a little tract up and they grew things for seeds for themselves. Anybody see one of those lately? No? How about a farm stand just for chickens, you know? No, you don't have it, right? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And, and you might go, is Jesus saying we shouldn't work and we shouldn't save money? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, do you think, who cares for them? Who provides for them? He's reminding us who our provider is. Many times in our hard efforts, you know, we want to build a business. We want to start this thing. We want to accumulate and save and think and plan. And we want to do all this. And somehow in doing it all, Jason, you know what we get the idea of? We get the idea that we are our providers. Jesus lets us, you know, do these things. But folks, we're not our providers. Are you not much better than these these birds? Which of you by taking thought could add one cubit to your stature? So why do you take thought for your raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. Raiment is your clothing. Look how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. We worry and we fret and we've got to have this thing. You know, we've got to have this level of clothing or, you know, you know, we can make fun of the world, but what's the point? You know, they've got to have their Nike tennis shoes that no one can afford and they're willing to kill for it or whatever. We're not there. But we are at the place where our thoughts and our lives are spent in, we've got to find decent clothes and we've got to make sure we have food. It's what our whole life is, becomes. Getting to the store and saving money on this and, and doing it. And it's all about that stuff. And he's saying, it's not, this is not, this is not like silly that we get distracted. We should be reminded that we are in constant state of distraction. And he's saying, these things ought not distract us. They ought not worry us. They ought not be the burden and the yoke that we carry around. Wherefore, God, if he so clothed the grass of the field today and tomorrow, that same grass is cast in the oven, shall not much more he clothe you? God does this for grass. He does it for flowers that are going to fade. Does he not care about you who are going to live forever? God, God loves your corduroy jacket, Luke. And, and I like it too. But when that's what we get focused on, we miss out. 
Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Okay, and hear this. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. But seek first the what? The kingdom of God. How do we do that? And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for tomorrow. And then he gives us one more Besides all the things that everybody thinks about, what to eat, where we're going to live, what we're going to wear, what we're going to do with our money, he sums up the whole of our life pretty much. He, he adds one more thing that distracts us. And you know what it is? Everybody say, tomorrow. Say it again real loud. Tomorrow. Our lives, a great deal of our lives are spent worrying about what? What's going to happen tomorrow? What are we going to have Tomorrow. And I know we got two retirement planner, you know, that's what they're thinking about tomorrow, tomorrow. And you go, well, we should think, and we, and we should think about it just like we should love our mom and dad. And just like our left hand really does know what our right hand is doing and how we don't have to hide when we pray. That's not exactly what those things are teaching, but they're teaching us this, that when our main thoughts are for tomorrow and when our main worries are about these things and when our life is planned around these things, then we are distracted off of the one thing that we should be thinking about. When we're thinking about our food and we're thinking about our clothes and our drink and where we're going to live and what to do with our money, are we first thinking about the kingdom? Everybody say the kingdom. The king. Say the king. The king. And our enemy. Three thoughts, okay? The kingdom. The king. And our enemy. We can be distracted in thinking people are enemies. They're not. We can get distracted thinking that these people that lord over us in the presidency or kings of other nations is somehow their king, but they're not. And we can get to thinking that what we're supposed to think about is what the Gentiles think about all day long every day, and we're not. And yeah, you know, you got to cook and you got to thaw out stuff to cook. It's not about that. It's about that our whole life becomes that and when we don't put it in focus and we don't become singular and we start getting distracted here, distracted here, and distracted here, we miss out on it and we start making decisions just the way they do. And we are not them. We believe in antithesis. There's us. Everybody say, there's us. And there's them. They think about what you're going to wear. They think about what they're going to do with their money. They're worrying about tomorrow. Let them worry. Jesus said that when tomorrow comes, there'll be bad enough things that happen then for you to worry about. But what do we do? We worry. We fret, oh, we're not going to have enough money for this. Or, oh, our kids are never going to be going to college. Or, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to retire. Or, I don't know. I don't know. And we worry. And I'm telling you, worry fuels entire industries. And Jesus says, kingdom mind people, they don't live like that. They're not worried about that. They live their life. They're living it now. They're not, that's not saying we don't plan for tomorrow. That doesn't say that we might one day build a cathedral. And if we do, what we're going to do, we're going to plan to do it. We're going to plan to have the rocks cut. And we're going to plan to, you know, have the stuff show up on time. But our life, so, so a tornado blows it down. Has the kingdom been blown down or just some rocks? Say, say a stock market, say all of our money disappears. Ah! You know, the three people in our church or the two people in our church that have gold buried in your backyard, we're coming for you. All your neighbors are coming for you too. I know you got, I'm the, I got, I have had the kids go at night around Andy's yard. I know he's got some buried out there somewhere. Just kidding. 
folks, I'm telling you right now, that a life of faith is not a life that focuses on these things primarily. And that's what Jesus is teaching. Okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll read this last thing. I'll read it again. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. I think sometimes we just need to reset it. What is it that we're seeking? What are we looking? What is our goal? What's our life about? If your eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that be in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness. And it's just like Jesus is saying, if the people who can see walk around like they're blind, what a pity. What a shame. We should not walk around like they do. Because we can see. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we hear this great invitation to walk as men who see. To walk in the light of your word. To not be motivated by fear and by worry and by all the things that are, the world around us is motivated by. They're planning for their security. They're planning for uh, themselves. Their lives are centered on what the kingdom that they're building for themselves. And Lord, those kingdoms will fall. The best plans of men will come to naught. Not that we shouldn't plan, not that we shouldn't buy gold and silver. I'm sure it's great, but Lord, that gold and silver could be worth nothing. Lord, may our hearts, may our minds, may our lives be built on a singular purpose. Oh, Lord, that thy kingdom would come and thy will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let it start with us. Let our lives be motivated. Let our lives be framed by this as we walk in the glorious light of the good news. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Jesus was singular in His purposes as well. He could have had a great ministry that went on for years and years and years, but He chose not to. He could have been a great and wealthy person, but He he could have had children. There's so many things He could have done. He didn't do. He had a singular purpose. His purpose was to come and to die so that you and I might live. May that be our goal today. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.